Morning, everyone. Um, I did spend about a few minutes thinking, now, if I have to shout this message, am I going to be okay? And I thought, yeah, I'll be okay. All right, uh, Hebrews 12. Um, so we're still in Hebrews. For those of you who came thinking, oh, are we still in Hebrews? Yeah, we're still in Hebrews. We've got a few more uh, to go. It's good, isn't it? like to get a grip of what um, uh, one author is trying to communicate to a people. You need to be able to work all the way through a letter uh, to be able to do that. And we've done that um, in Hebrews in this latter part of the year. We're in chapter 12, uh, the start of chapter 12 today. Um, we're coming off the back of, I wasn't here last weekend, Pete Wells brought us an awesome message. Um, I watch the services when I'm not here. And I'm, and, uh, at, not at the time, later. Um, <coughs> And, um, and I heard Pete, and, um, and he'd worked that through with me prior to being here, um, as well as we do with our messages. And, um, and I don't know how you felt about it, but I thought that was that was beautiful message. That was a great message for us about perseverance. Because we come off the back the, of, of the uh, Hebrews 8 to 10 before that, which is about how Jesus had finished the work of forgiving us. He had dealt with sin forever and that we have this open invitation 24-7 to be able to walk into the presence of God because our sin is paid for, it's done. And so we have that invitation anytime, and we should utilize that invitation in a persevering way all the time. We should continue to come back into the presence of God. Summarized at the start of chapter 12 like this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And then we go into this uh, next section, which is framed like this. Uh, First of all, this, verse 2. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. And in the Greek, this is very clearly juxtaposed. That is, because of joy, because of the joy awaiting, in reference to the shame and the agony of the cross. It's saying, because Jesus could see that, he went, he scorned the shame. He disregarded it. It wasn't that it wasn't shameful or... We know that. It was the most agonizing death and you know, the heights of shame and pain. But because of the joy awaiting, he disregarded the shame. That's the way it's kind of set up in the text. And then it goes through a few more things. And then, that's Jesus, right? And then it gets to us. He says this, verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward... There'll be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So today is about painful training. Excited? <laughs> Think of all the hostility he endured. The writer goes on. Think about all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, 
you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. How's that? After all, nobody's dead yet. <laughs> nobody's been killed yet. Like, here's Jesus, who for the joy awaiting him endured the cross, despising its shame. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinners. Um, then you won't become weary and give up because nobody's been killed yet. Now, we know that these early readers, the, readers, the first readers of this, from you can look at this in chapter 10, verse 32 to 34, the first readers of this message, were, they'd face opposition, persecution, public ridicule, jail, had their stuff taken off them, um, you know, confiscated because of their faith. And he's acknowledged that already, this writer, but he also is saying it hasn't got as far as death yet. So when we put it in our context here, um, is our state opposed to Christianity? Is society around us increasingly angry at Jesus' people? Um, are we targets of kind of social pressure? Does it limit us? Yeah. Has anyone died yet? No. So does this apply to us? Yes, very much so. Um, and notice too that the writer doesn't say, um, no one's died yet in your struggle against sinners. Does it? It says, you haven't yet given your lives, you haven't yet shed blood in your struggle against sin. Because the aggressor, that's not the enemy. The, the one attacking us, the hostility towards us, the, the pain that we suffer, the difficulty we get, that's not the enemy. The enemy is sin. And sin is just when we stop trusting God, when we go, not your way, God, my way. Not your way, God, my way. In this struggle? Oh, no, oh, no. I'm going to find another solution other than God. That's sin. That's the struggle. And so he's defining this endurance, this perseverance, in this, this struggle against sin um, in reference to whether we keep our eyes on Jesus or not. Because what's the, what's the danger that the writer's concerned about? That you would lose your possessions? That, you would, that we would, uh, that we would um, get physically harmed? That we would be mocked or scorned? That we'd be thrown in prison? That we wouldn't be able to get the jobs that we want to be able to... No, what's, what's he concerned about? Then you will not become what? Then you will not become weary and give up. Faith, that you would give up Jesus because of this struggle. That's what the writer is concerned about. The danger of opposition and hardship is that we'd become weary and give up and that we'd lose our struggle against sin. That the opposition coming at us and the difficulties we face in our daily wrestle will make us weary of faith and we'd give up. That despite the joy awaiting, despite the peaceful harvest to come, we'd experience some of this difficulty and pain and get weary and give up. Because when difficulties hit our lives, when opposition comes against us, particularly because of our faith, which is the context of this passage here, but any difficulty or struggle or hardship or circumstance where you think, oh, I just, I wish this would go away. I wish I didn't have to do this. I don't want this pain, this hurt, this struggle, this 
It could be internal or external, whatever it is that I'm just uncomfortable with and I wish God would just relent, like take it away or ease it up or anything like that. In that struggle, we've got the option every time of going, God, because you're not delivering in this circumstance, I will not trust you for this circumstance. I will look elsewhere. Then we would lose our struggle against sin and give up. And that's what this writer's worried about. And then he does this really interesting thing. You see if you can kind of get the feel of this. He's saying, so we've got these hostile um, aggression, this persecution, this hardship coming at the people of God. And he says, and remember Jesus who endured the cross and, and scorned the shame of the cross for the joy awaiting, and then you won't become weary um, and give up. But then he says, and have you forgotten, verse 5, the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes each one he accepts as his child. Yeah, I'm doing this because I love you. (laughs) Did you ever get that as a kid? Um, It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. (laughs) As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God's treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? God doesn't discipline you as he does. Uh, God, uh, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means they're Ill- illegitimate and not really his children at all. Uh, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of our of the father of our spirits and live forever for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness see what this writer's doing he's going there's opposition from evil people around you You're getting pounded by the actions and the free will choices of others. But I want to reframe it this way. It's your loving father providing discipline for you so that you can share in his holiness. What? There's an aggressor that's somebody else. And they're hammering me. And God's going, I want you to kind of spin that in your head and understand that this is your loving father offering discipline for you so that you can share in his holiness. What? So God made that guy hurt me? It doesn't say that. And just let me break a little bit here. This gets into the conundrum of the sovereignty of God and the free will issue, doesn't it? So do I get hurt because everyone's given free will choices and that person used their free will choice to persecute me or hurt me? And God's going, I didn't want them to do that, but they've got free will. But anyway, I'll use it. Or... Does God orchestrate all things and has, you know, predetermined that that hurt is going to come at me from that? So is this, you know what I mean? Like, is it free will or is it um, sovereignty? That's part of the debate. This writer doesn't care. He's just saying, I want you in the reality of life as this pain is coming at you to see it through the lens of a loving father who's offering discipline for you because he loves you and he wants you to share in his holiness. Do you see that? Endure hardship as discipline from a loving father. What does it mean to share in his holiness? 
so that we might share in his holiness. Jesus, for the joy awaiting, scorned the shame of the cross. Jesus says to his disciples, then my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. So to share in his holiness is to be all that you could be. It is to be realized as a person. It is to be in some of the more modern vernacular, like actualized, like fully human, selfless, perfect. Like with a, with, a, with a rock solid identity where I just know who I am because in relationship with my creator and I, and I am defined that way and I'm untouchable. You can't hurt me. You can't, you can't take anything from me because I have everything that I need in this relationship and I'm able to respond beautifully and perfectly to everything that comes at me with the selfless love of God because I am holy. That you would share in his holiness. This is not a little goal. This is life. This is, this is where we're headed. Um, I was in a group this week and I asked this question. We're talking about that kind of future that awaits us as people, that we would be, that we'd be righteous, that we would be holy, that we'd be selfless all the time. And I said, if you had the option of just like snapping your fingers and you'd be there. So that everything you want now is holy, selfless. So if you had a house and someone else didn't have a house, they, they, you know, you'd give them your house. Yeah, well, hey, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, you know, if you, just, if you were rock solid, like trusting your father and, and selfless in all that, and you were full of Jesus and, and not your, any kind of selfish desire anymore and you could just do it like that, uh, would you take that option? I thought it was a no-brainer. Someone in the group says, I don't think so. I think there's something important about the journey. I'm like, what? Anyway, I thought, that kind of bugged me. And I rang a friend of mine who's um, one of my reference people when I'm dealing with something theological. And I said, do you reckon there's something important about the journey? And he goes... It doesn't matter what I think. It's an academic question because you don't have the option. <laughs> I was like, that's probably true. God set this up. I don't know. So I don't know the answers. Sometimes I don't even know the right questions. But I know the invitation in this text. And I know life is hard. And I know there's pain. And some pain is unexplainable. And you can't rationalize it away, and it hurts. It just hurts. And I hear this invitation from our loving Father. Please see this as discipline, that you might be holy. Keep coming to Jesus in this pain, because your Father wants to make you holy. Hang on to God with both hands even though it hurts because there's something happening inside of you that's more important than anything else that could possibly happen for you. Like, don't lose your struggle against sin. Don't give up on your faith. Endure hardship as discipline from a loving father. A few weeks ago, we looked at Corrie ten Boom and her forgiveness that she learned 
in the Nazi concentration camps that she could forgive her uh, jailer, her aggressor, um, who oversaw her sister's death. And I know in this community, I can't tell you stories because they're confidential, people who've been abused and have forgiven their abuser. And people who've been betrayed and have reconciled with their betrayer. People who have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in scams and have continued to hang on to God with both hands and, and praise him and glorify his name in the journey on Uh, people who've been ill or are ill, in pain, and just discover new depths of gratitude and faith when our bodies are weak, but we persist in prayer. Some people who can no longer do the physical things that they used to be able to do have just diverted their hanging on to Jesus' face to just pleading with God for those who are more able. And you know, in our experience of that, when do we know God better? When do we... Become more holy. It's in pain. When you look back across your life, and um, we did this when we were, uh, I was on our leadership conference that, or something, once some training program I was on, you had to map your life out with colours of when the best bits were, where the most fun were, and where the most painful things were, and the painful things were in pink. And you look across the spectrum of your life and you go pink, 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 <laughs> like that. And then that question was asked, when did you get to know God better? Pink, pink, pink. I don't know if that's your experience, but there's something beautiful about this journey of hanging on to God when it's hard. Um, but when you're in the middle of it, is it fun? <laughs> as our writer says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way, trained to persevere in faith through hardship, trained to endure suffering and trial by fixing our eyes on Jesus and hanging on to him with both hands for the joy set before us. If I say Jesus out loud and somebody laughs, what is that compared to the joy awaiting? If I'm overlooked for a promotion because of my faith, what is that compared to the joy Awaiting. If somebody steals my stuff, the government confiscates my possessions, dishonors my name, what is that compared to the joy awaiting? If I lose everything in this world, as Jesus did, can I disregard that for the joy awaiting? That's the invitation. That we would see the joy awaiting and be inspired by Jesus' example and hang on to him through the pain. And if we're in pain and we get no answers except what's in this text, will it be enough for us? That is, I don't know why this is coming at me or is happening to me or this struggle that I have. I don't know why. And what God is offering me is just... um, Trust me through this. This is loving discipline. If that's not enough for you, then you will lose your struggle with sin. If you will blame God for this, 
If you'll go, because of this, I, won't, I, I don't do God, you will lose your struggle uh, with sin. This is our loving Father saying, there is enough from me for you in this. It's not easy, it's painful, but I'm here for you. Hang on to me, keep coming back to me. Remember your sins are forgiven. I've got enough for you now, today, tomorrow, whenever it hurts. Um, you remember this uh, crazy example or real example uh, Paul um, <coughs> when uh, Paul's preaching in Philippi uh, now, no one's worried about his you know he can say whatever he wants but he casts this demon out of this girl and that costs some people money and that's why he gets hammered so preachers say whatever you want just don't talk about money unless you want to follow Jesus. <laughs> anyway, it costs this, this, uh, these people uh, money because their demon-possessed girl got healed and now she can't do the fancy things that she used to be able to do that, that made money for her handlers at her expense. Anyway, and, uh, and so they do this mock trial and Paul and Silas get thrown in... Well, they don't just get thrown in prison. They get stripped and they get beaten with rods and they get thrown in the, like, the lowest part of the prison and they've got their feet in stocks. And now it's midnight, and they are singing hymns. <laughs> now, it's really clear they're not just chanting psalms. or anything. Like, this is the modern, like, it's, it's not like, oh, good, they knew Charles Wesley, you know, because he wasn't there yet. <laughs> this, is, this, is the, this is what they sang when they got together. These men, they were, I don't know if they could sing, but they were singers. You know what I mean? And they didn't have, like, an overhead. They didn't have a, a whatever. They just knew the words. Why? Because they sang these things. It was their habit. And that was their default too. Now let's, let's praise God, you know, in this space. Is it painful? Yes. Like, do we go, yay, we're in, no, but is God awesome? Yes. So hear that they're singing. And just by the way, when you're in a dark place and someone comes alongside you and you both want to sing praises to God, just look out because something might happen. In their case, it was an earthquake. And um, and the whole prison splits apart and stuff. And instead of just vengefully watching their jailer kill himself, which he's about to do, they what? Stop him. And what else? Invite him into the eternal family of other people who know Jesus and are going to be transformed to holiness forever. How do I sing in the prison and love my jailer? How do I do that? For the joy, for the joy awaiting. No discipline is enjoyable. It's painful, but afterwards, there's a peaceful harvest. So, the writer says, take a new grip with your tired hands, strengthen your weak knees. Make out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Um, As I often say here, when you read, uh, so get a new grip and strengthen your weak knees, you can hear it several ways. Like Even though it's just been talking about the discipline of a loving father, you might hear it as like a drill sergeant. So, ah, like, 
on your feet, maggot, you know, that kind of command, right? Um, but it's not that, is it? It's not even a pep talk. You know, come on, you can do it. One more try. It's in you. You can. No, it's not that either. Get a new grip with your tired hands. What are you hanging on to? What are you hanging on to? Jesus. Jesus. Where's Jesus? In the throne room. What's happening in the throne room? Waves of mercy and grace and forgiveness and provision and resource that you don't have, but he does. So get a new grip. Find strength for your weak knees. Spiritually, it's like drinking from a fire hose. When I can't forgive, but he can. When I can't love, but he can. When I can't get up again, but in Jesus, I can. When I can't care, when I can't go, when I can't stay, where I can't turn up, where I can't serve, he can. So get a new grip and find strength for your weak knees. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, all of your commands are love to us. There's so many things we want when we struggle. So many things we hunger for when we're in pain. I pray that you would move our eyes to see you, that we would hunger for you that we would long for you, that we would run to you, that we would see that the answer to not just this problem, but everything is you. Our Father, give us the, the courage and the faith this morning in, all, in any pain, in all of our pain, to be able to reach out to you and hang on to you with both hands and find resource to trust you and to be holy. Amen.